Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. We are in a season just fastly approaching a season of reset. I'm not talking about the stock market, but it's do a reset as well if you want to watch it, okay? Uh, but uh, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm not just talking about the things that we need. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not just talking about us being tired. I'm not just talking about our load being heavy. I'm not just talking about you know, uh, the, the burdens and, 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 and the concerns that we have. I'm talking about Almighty God has chosen seasons throughout the Word of God that are seasons of reset. And also, he has caused these to, to, uh, to come to us in very predictable times, very predictable moments. It's clearly evident that God chose the children of Israel as his special people. I mean, uh, you know, no one, even throughout history, even today, no one would say that the children of Israel, the Jewish people, are, 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 are not somehow marked, okay? Well, I mean, you would just agree, something is different about them, about their, uh, not, not just their custom and their culture, but about their journey in life. And what we know from reading the Word of God is that God has chosen the children of Israel and He's chosen them as His special people. And we know that the whole world watches them. The whole world has been watching Israel for generations upon generations upon generations. And hardly anyone is neutral when it comes to the children of Israel. And, and uh, not only does the whole world watch them, uh, but you know, Many people are angry with them, and angry even without a cause. There are whole people groups that hate Jews. In fact, there are organizations that are anti-Semitic organizations, and there are organizations that are pro-Semitic. Why? Because it is evident that the world is watching and that, that you, you, you find it difficult to be neutral when it comes uh, to what you may believe about them. I believe uh, and, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that God has chosen them. And the world knows that the descendants of Jacob, in fact, this is what we imagine. This is what we might think they think and what we might think about them, that they are God's favorite people. I mean, all throughout the word of God, that's pretty much what he said. He said, you know, I, I chose you not because you were bigger than any other nation, not because you were better than any nation, because you're not, not because you were more, more obedient, because you aren't, but I set my love upon you. I love you. And, you know, and, 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 and the Bible says it's God's desire that all Israel will be saved. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And oh my goodness, all throughout the word of God, we see and we, we can understand that from God's perspective, according to the Holy Scriptures, the children of Israel are special to him they are his favored people this has caused him a lot of trouble in life it's caused him a lot of trouble you know in, in generations just you know uh, just 70 plus years ago six million of them were were uh, murdered were executed by an evil nazi regime because of the fact that they were hated as a people. 
It didn't matter what they did individually. It didn't matter what, you know, they were hated. And, and why? Well, you know, the world hates the favored child of God just the same as the sons of Jacob in Genesis 37 hated Joseph because Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. Do you remember there were, there were 12 boys and they hated one of them? Why did they hate him? Well, here comes that one that daddy loves. Let's, let's destroy him. Let's kill him. Let's throw him in a hole. Let's sell him to the Egyptians. Let's tell daddy that, 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 that you know, wild animals tore him apart. Let's strip him of his special favored coat. Why? Because daddy loves him. And daddy thinks he can do no wrong. And daddy treats him with favoritism. And, that, you know, and the fact that they knew and the fact that Joseph knew that he was favored of his father Jacob and the fact that his brothers knew that daddy treated Joseph better than daddy treated them, daddy gave him a coat of many colors. And when they were out watching the sheep in a city called Dothan, they had walked you know, miles and miles. Here Joseph was at home with daddy and the Bible says they hated him you know I don't know what it is about human nature but it seems as though that people hate favorites unless they are the favorite if you're the teacher's pet you kind of like it but if but if you aren't the teacher's pet you know who the teacher's pet is and you kind of say, you know, and feel a little differently about them than they may feel about themselves. That's human nature. Nonetheless, it seems evident that God chose the children of Israel to teach the world some very valuable and eternal lessons. And God has used them not only as a timepiece, but also used them to show his love and to bring about the Savior, the Messiah, to a lost and a hurting world. And, and God gave them his word, and God gave them, you know, a, a, favored, a, you know, a favored status. It's, it's amazing. God uses them, and the world watches them. And so God has used the children of Israel and how he interacts with the children of Israel to teach the world in each generation since he made it evident that they were his chosen people. In each generation he has used them and had the world watch them so that the world could understand some things about God. In fact, the New Testament is just the Old Testament revealed uh, and the inner workings of how God dealt with the children of Israel in generation after generation after generation so that he could bring Messiah to a lost and a hurting world and to show in them God's intent for mankind. How he could bring redemption through them and to them and to the Gentiles again through them. How did God intend on teaching us by how he interacted with the children of Israel? Well, one of the primary ways that God has chosen to teach the world lessons through the children of Israel is through the yearly feast that God ordained. 
There are seven major feasts that God ordained as dress rehearsals for how God is going to interact with the world, not only during our lifetime, but also the generations before and the generations after, should the Lord tarry, and how God is interacting with mankind is seen in these festivals, seen in these feasts. God ordained feasts as dress rehearsals for His children each year so that we could better understand God's plan for mankind. As I said, God is choosing to teach through the children of Israel. And the whole world has been drawn to attention when something happens there, when something goes on there. The first feast, of course, is the Feast of Passover. It's a spring feast. And it commemorates, you know, God bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, but also Christ being that Passover lamb. The second feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's also in the spring. It, 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 it follows immediately after the Feast of Passover. The third is the Feast of Firstfruits, which is also a spring event. Then the fourth feast is a summer feast. It's the Feast of Pentecost. There's only one summer feast. Three spring feasts, one summer feast, and three fall feasts. Number five is the Feast of Trumpets. These are in order. They cycle. They're predictable. We know when they're going to happen. God has chosen to, for them to be very repetitive. Every year these feasts are enjoyed every year they are commanded every year they they hold a symbol every year they teach something new every year a dress rehearsal for passover for unleavened bread first fruits pentecost feast of trumpets number five number six feast of atonement it's a fall feast and the seventh feast feast of tabernacles these three butt up as well like the spring feast they happen in a few days the fall feast happened in a few days, and the summer feast is right there, you know, covering the two. Interesting. These feasts are designed by God uh, to teach us. They, 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 are, they are designed to help us remember what God did. Very important that you get this concept down. These feasts are there every year, and they, they, they were dress rehearsals for the children of Israel, and they're still being rehearsed, and on God's calendar they still exist. Even in the days when Israel did not keep these feasts, God observed them anyway, and we will continue to observe them until they are all ultimately fulfilled. And I don't know what will be done in the new heaven and the new earth, but I do know that as long as this earth remains, God intends for heaven and earth to remember these feasts. To remember, number one, what he did. It's very important to God that we remember what God did at Passover, what God did at Pentecost. You know, it, it's, it's important to remember what God did. And also, uh, they, they help us to focus on what God is doing. Because at any time of the year, in any season of the year, we can find ourselves in a season of God, on the calendar of God, in God's timing, in God's season. We can not only know what God did, to institute that feast and, 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 and the initial purpose of it, but also we can look to focus on what God is doing right now. In light of Passover, what is God doing now? In light of first fruits, what is God doing now? In light of you know Pentecost, what is God doing now? 
So they shine a light on what God did. Every year we should remember what God did. Every year we should focus on what God is doing. And every year we should also be able to use these feasts to forecast what God will yet do. So they give us history, they give us current perspective, and they give us a very predictable future. It's important. I, I know as Gentiles, especially as a Gentile church in the Western world, we have not spent you know, our life studying these feasts. We have not spent our, 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 our lifetime understanding these. Much, by the way, uh, I believe, to the disappointment of God that we don't know more about these things and that we don't you know, uh, 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 draw greater revelation from these. These feasts like the whole creation of God under heaven, these feasts are in divine order, placed there by God in divine order. And they are repetitive events meant for us to pay close attention to them. And they are set in motion by God, they are observed by heaven, and they are celebrated by men. These feasts are God's teaching tools, if you will. They are the tools by which he teaches us truth and he teaches the world about things he did and things he's doing and things he will yet do, things to come. There are three spring feasts, I said, one summer feast and three fall feasts. The spring feasts speak of the first coming of Jesus, okay? Now, follow me along here. These spring feasts always did talk about the first coming of a suffering Messiah. Okay? Talked about the coming of the Lord. How that a Messiah would come as a lamb and be offered as a lamb at Passover so that death, you know, the, the, the children of God who had the blood of the lamb on their life would pass from death unto life. Always meant to do that. They always meant to, to point to a suffering Messiah of the Jews, to the incarnate Son of God. They always pointed to a perfect lamb, and the only way you could have a perfect lamb would be for, for the Word of God to take upon flesh and dwell among us as the incarnate Son of Almighty, the only begotten Son of God. They always pointed that. And today, the spring feast helped us to remember the incarnate Son of God. At Passover every year, we remember the Lamb, who is the Son of God, a perfect sacrifice, incarnate God. We remember the suffering Messiah who came. We remember the Savior of the world. That's what the spring feast pointed to, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. He is the bread of life. He is, you know, he is our, you know, uh, uh, you know, our life. Does that make sense? Those are the spring feasts. They, they speak of the first coming of Christ. The summer uh, feast speaks of the age of the church, which we are in right now. We are in the summer feast. You know, these feasts can be manifest in several different ways. Uh, first of all, each year they happen, and also each lifetime they happen, and each generation they happen, and then they happen once and for all each time as God sees them ultimately fulfilled in his own plan and his own design. So right now in this dispensation, if you will, right now we are in a church age. 
We are in the age of the Holy Spirit. That's what the summer feast did. It's the feast of Pentecost. The summer feast was the feast of God giving the Holy Spirit to to, to the world, to, to to, to His children, so that the world could have the Holy Spirit living and moving around. Jesus said, it's important that I go away. If I do not go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. But he said, just wait here in Jerusalem. You shall be endued with power from on high. And, and when you have received the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power to be a witness unto me. Unto, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, you, you'll, you'll have the power. We are in the age of power. We are in the age of the church. We are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. We are in the time when the Holy Spirit is moving on the earth through us. That's, the, the, that, that's this feast of Pentecost. We're living in Pentecost. The fall feast speak of the second coming of Christ. As the bridegroom, as the conquering king, as the reigning Lord. He came as, as suffering Messiah, and that's what Passover and, 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 and unleavened bread and first fruit spoke to us about a, about a coming Messiah that would suffer and, 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 and he would die. He would be a lamb and his blood would cleanse us from sin and, and, you know, and, 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 and we would be brought out of uh, Egypt and, 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 and then we would receive the Holy Spirit and the power to be a witness. And then we are looking forward to these fall feasts whenever we we see this bridegroom coming to gather his bride from off the earth. And, 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 and as his bridegroom comes, he's, he's coming as well as a conquering king. He's coming to, to put an end to Satan and sin and, 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 and this world system. And, 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 and he's coming to reign as Lord and, 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 and Savior and King over all the earth. Wow. You know, the reason I'm sharing this tonight is because we are quickly approaching the next feast on the calendar. The Feast of Trumpets, the first fall feast, signals the beginning of a new year. You may also know it as Rosh Hashanah. Every year it is celebrated, and it has been a dress rehearsal every year for something very important, and that Feast of Trumpets is a dress rehearsal for the coming of the Lord. That Feast of Trumpets uh, signals the beginning of a new year, a new year, a reset, a new year. That's what a new year is. God knew that every year his children would need a reset. And then every seven years they would need another reset. And every 50 years a complete reset, a jubilee. And that's what the Feast of Trumpets is signaling. You know, it signals the beginning, the head of the year, the new year, whether it's a jubilee year, it's Shemitah, or whether it is, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, just a new year. We understand New Year's. I mean, everybody makes New Year's resolutions. Everybody wants a reset at a new year. Well, God just put the new year, you know, in a very specific place on his calendar. This particular new year, this Feast of Trumpets, is a time to reset. And once again, let me, let, let me reiterate, uh, these feasts are designed by God for us to, number one, remember what God did, this this quickly coming Feast of Trumpets that we are just about to observe, okay? We should, number one, at the Feast of Trumpets, remember what God did. Number two, we should focus on what God is doing in light of this Feast of Trumpets, in light of the trumpet call, in light of what in the world is this even about. And number three, we should 
forecast what God will yet do. These seasons of reset gives us an opportunity to, uh, to reset. Okay. I don't know a better word, you know, to, 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 to get a place to start fresh, a fresh start, a new day. What a wonderful, wonderful new day. What a wonderful opportunity God gave us. Isn't it amazing how God said that some things will not end as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, night and day shall not cease from the earth? God says, I'm going to give you some repetitive, you know, a, a guaranteed predictable events to stabilize your life and one such is the feast of trumpets this year the feast of trumpets might just be another dress rehearsal who knows it just might be another dress rehearsal for the coming of the lord to collect his bride and you know or hey it could be showtime he could come in my theology he's going to come on that day of course we don't know the day nor the hour because the Feast of Trumpets could be one of two days. We're not exactly sure exactly what day it is, nor the hour. But we know the season. We know when it is. Hey, could just be another dress rehearsal. I'm hoping not. It could be showtime. I mean, the people in Jerusalem didn't expect, didn't expect Jesus to be the Lamb, but it was showtime. What do we know? As best I understand, as best I understand, one day it will be showtime. On this particular feast day, the trumpet will sound from heaven and Jesus will collect his bride and, and uh, take us all away off the earth and we will be joined with uh, all, you know, all those who have died in Christ at a great wedding uh, and, and then, then a great wedding feast and then afterwards Jesus will come back you know, and the earth will be experiencing tribulation and great tribulation and then Jesus is going to come back and have a, have, have a knockdown drag out and he's going to bind up the devil and cast him you know uh you know bind him for a thousand years and you know i, I, it, I mean he's going to set his kingdom up on the earth and and rule and reign uh, you know it's just going to be wonderful okay uh that's what he's going to do this year the feast of trumpets will begin at sundown on monday evening september the 6th okay this next monday this coming monday today's the first of september 2021 on the 6th of september 2021 in the evening at sundown in jerusalem when the sun goes down in jerusalem okay the feast of trumpets will begin actually there'll be two guys out there watching people watching and when they see the first sliver of the moon that's when they're going to declare the new year the new moon so we don't know the day nor the hour that that's actually going to happen. But in order to publicly celebrate it, they have decided, you know, we'll set a time at 545, I think it is this year. Uh, we're going to say it's happening and boom, okay, it begins. So isn't that interesting? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, so at some point on one of the two days, it will last through the 8th so that they make sure they cover it from the, from the night, of, you know, sundown the 6th to sundown the 8th. They want to make sure they get it covered. Once in those two days is going to come the first day of Tishri in the month of Tishri, and that is going to signal the blowing of the trumpets and Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. And uh, this year, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, these blasts of trumpets 
Um, you know, let me tell you what it is intended. The Feast of Trumpets is not intended to signal the end of a long, hard year. Whew, glad that's over. Even though many times that does happen for us on December 31st. Okay, <laughs> We can understand that. But the Feast of Trumpets is designed by God not to signal the end of a hard year, but rather the beginning and the potential that God has for a new year. For new things. For something. Okay, guys, get it all together. Take a deep breath. Let's, let's do this year. Let's make this year all it can be. Okay? Now, what happens, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if I have anything else in red, so let me just tell you what is going on here. What happens with the sounding of the Feast of Trumpets is that you enter into the first day of the ten days of awe. This is what the Jewish scholars and rabbis teach. This is what they have. These ten days of awe. What are ten days of awe? Well, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what happens. The trumpets sound, and they believe that on Rosh Hashanah, on the Feast of Trumpets, on that day that God writes your destiny for the next year in his book. Whether you're going to have a good year or a bad year, whether, whether you're going to, you know, you know, we understand it as believers in Christ that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and that's what they believe. They believe it's done every year. Of course, we believe it's done once for every lifetime. But we want to remember what God did. We don't want to focus on what he's doing. And we want to ultimately look and see what it forecasts for us. So that the ten days of all begins day number one, day number two, day number three, day number ten days of all leading up to the next feast, the Feast of Atonement where your sins are paid for. They believe on the 10th day of Tishri that whether you have convinced God in that interim period that you have repented, that you are right with Him, will on the 10th day your destiny and fate will be sealed. Now, this is what the Jews have believed. This is what the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles has always pointed to. It's a dress rehearsal. It has been teaching the world that at one, one day, one day God is going to blow a trumpet and it is going to be sealed where you are going to spend eternity. That's what it teaches one day when Jesus comes, your, your fate will be sealed. And for those people who have not made Jesus Lord and the Savior of their life, they have a period in which to get right with God before the Day of Atonement. Uh, you know, I see that as the tribulation period and as their lifetime, you know, before boom it's settled because once 
the door of the ark is closed by God. It's closed. So this ten days of awe points to and focuses on, helps us focus on our responsibility to repent of our sins and to be right with God during troubled times. In times and seasons when trouble comes to the earth or comes to individuals, it reminds us to focus on our responsibilities to repent as an individual and to repent as a nation, to repent as a family, as a community, as a church. And hopefully God will see that repentance and He will you know, allow the blood to atone for us and for our sins. Does that make sense? Okay. We are about to enter into a new year designed by God. I know it's not the new year on our, on our calendar. It's the new year on God's calendar. And God believes in this. God didn't have the children of Israel do something, you know, uh, uh, since the days of Moses that he did not believe in, that he was not going to observe, that heaven didn't respect. God is not having his children go through motions that he is not aware of, he's not connected to, or for no reason. Almighty God has a reason and a purpose. And let me tell you, we are just about to enter into what God sees as a new year, as a brand new start, as a fresh time, as an opportunity to reset and as an opportunity to, to, to have, a, you know, a, be reminded that we need to be right with God, that we need to repent. It's a season of repentance, a season of refreshing, a season of resetting so that we got this fresh wind underneath us and the Feast of Tabernacles as God moves into our life in a greater way, a allows us to rule and reign in this life by Christ Jesus. It's, you know, as, as we carry him into the new year, as he tabernacles with us in this new year. It's, it's you know, God wants to live in a real way in the earth, and he's doing it through us. That's what we are just about to observe in a natural way, in a physical way, uh, his chosen people will observe it in a physical way. We, of course, if we're not watchful, we can be completely oblivious to what God in heaven is observing and what it points at and what it's supposed to remind us of and how we are responsible to understand it so that we can also participate in it. So here's, here's what uh, we should do. In light of, 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 of what is going on in this season and in light of the Feast of Trumpets about to occur, uh, number one, we should be mindful to be thankful for all that God has done. Just be mindful to be thankful uh, for, for all the centuries, the millennia of Feast of Trumpets that have been observed. Uh, we, we need to be thankful for all, all the resets God has ever given us. 
We need to be thankful for all the second chances that God has ever given us. We need to be thankful. We need to remember all the times that God forgave us because we asked him to. We need to remember the times that he, that he saved our nation or that he, that, 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 that he pulled us out of the fire or that he answered a prayer. We need to be rem, reminded of all that God has done in response to us offering ourselves to him. It's, it's a reminder. This season, more than any other season, we need to be thankful for for all that God has done. This is the true Thanksgiving season. Number two, we need to be repentant as we focus on our moment. You know, we look and remember what he did. Thank you, God, you forgave me. Thank you. Now, God, let me focus on my moment. What do I need forgiveness of now? What do I need to change in my life now? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to take up? What do I need to bring to the altar? What do I need to bring to the cross? Is there something in my attitude? Is there something, you know, uh, physical? Is there something, you know, uh, is, 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 is it some addiction? Is it, is, is it some worry, some fear? What is it that I need to bring to the altar right now at this season of reset, during the days of all, when I'm given an opportunity by God to repent and to lay things before him on the altar, to give up something or to give to him something in my heart. Uh, you know, not only being thankful for all that God has done, but being mindful of what he will do right now in my life if I will offer him more of me and ask him to forgive me of the places I have failed him. And then number three, not only thanksgiving and, and, and not only repentance, but also we need to move in this season, this season of reset. We as a church, we as a nation, listen to me very closely. We need to move into expectancy. You remember the feast, our tools, teaching tools of God through the children of Israel to teach the world valuable eternal lessons, lessons of life. And he's used these feasts. Uh, and we need to understand they, they, they have a past. We need to remember what they, you know, what they have done for us. We need to focus on what they can do for us. But also we need to predict what God will yet do. And when we predict what God is going to do in the future at this reset, when we predict the next season, the next move of God, we should have a great expectancy. We need to somehow stir up our expectancy in a good God that has a good plan, that is going to do good things, that God has not failed us. He's not forsaken us. He's not forgotten us. And we need to realize at the Feast of Trumpets that there is coming a day of atonement. There's coming a feast of tabernacle shortly in this season we need to understand that all of these point to a coming messiah to a coming uh, uh, christ as conqueror and king and as bridegroom we we need to expect that god's going to do something great in this season if we could do anything we should have an expectancy that god's going to do great things Thanksgiving, repentance, and expectancy. That's what this season demands. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Lord, what can I give you right now? What can I lay down and bring to you now? What can I offer you right now? And God, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to walk into my new year expecting great things. 
I'm going to get those grave clothes off. I'm going to get this sadness off of me. I'm going to get this shame off me. I'm going to get this worry off me. I'm going to get this fear off me. I'm going to get, I am going to walk into my new year expecting God to do great things in me and for me and through me. God, God is almighty God. He lives on the inside of us and we have a right and a reason to expect great things. And that's what the Feast of Trumpets points to our expectancy let's read our scriptures in first corinthians 15 i told you we were going there about a long time ago verse 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, un- immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus will we ever or always shall we all, thus we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. We should be encouraging one another in this season. This is the season. This is that season. You know, maybe it's just another dress rehearsal. Or maybe it's showtime. Be thankful. Be repentant. And allow God to create an expectancy on the inside of you. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.